will the culprits of this capitalism be destroyed it has to be it is it, it is incumbent <laughs> that we destroy capitalism to free ourselves from star wars i'm sorry we no, have to destroy capitalism think, to stop star wars Raph, i'm not joking Raph, i think you're exactly right except that the word <laughs> star wars is not right i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do that Check. We dropped the ball. More of this Guy Fieri salsa. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is fucking insane. Guy Fieri. How did you okay, get so this salsa. This uh, this, uh so the Guy Wait, Fieri you're salsa. You're more of it. Yeah. Well, hold I, on, I Guy Fieri. We are sponsored. It's a new so sponsor. Gross. Guy Fieri salsa. The spice is right. You can find it in any supermarket. The worst. Anywhere salsa. your salsa. You go to your salsa mart. You go to your local salsa vendor. Anywhere salsas are sold. Your of salsa. Right. <laughs> Just like I buy your mine by 24 the hour the freeway. <laughs> right. Your 24-hour salsa restaurant. I thought you got this at the far- farmer's market. I didn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I went Guy to the Guy Fieri, Fieri set up a stand. The Times Square <laughs> farmer's market. <laughs> <laughs> so even though Guy Fieri Chipotle salsa does spice is right, <laughs> is our sponsor. <laughs> the Robot House guarantee is that we will never compromise on our editorial stances. So thank you for the money, but no thank you for the salsa. It's terrible. I don't know how you fuck up salsa this bad. <laughs> you guys are fucked. This shit is the bomb. <laughs> I don't agree. Salsa. I, I definitely don't. Worse. I don't think it's that bad. It's not really Chipotle flavor. Honestly, though. I would trade all it's three really of bad. you to host like <laughs> half a season of a podcast about salsa the salsa tasting. with Guy Fieri. That would be and actually the compromised editorial stance. Yeah, that's right. I have no it's integrity really whatsoever. I'm burping up garlic. It's really garlicky. Alan, have you ever had salsa before? Hmm. So you know what it's supposed <laughs> to taste. That wasn't a yes or a no. no. <laughs> yes. Yes. Salsa? Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean it tastes I like love salsa. It tastes it's it, it tastes like various other flavor. like supermarket like cheap supermarket salsas. No, it doesn't. It tastes worse. Really? What does this taste like? This is literally the worst salsa <laughs> I've ever had. It's worse than the Tostito salsa. This which is, is like the time bad. you tried to convince me that the McDonald's fajita was good. Oof. That yeah, happened. that did is that did that really happen? <laughs> Are you sure that happened? Well, McDonald's commercial. is poison. Like it's straight up. Have you tried to eat McDonald's in the it's last? It's nasty like, shit. Dude. I, I yeah. I was. I had some recently. Oh, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty foul. It's yeah. not real. It's like the eating place a sponge. Stinks. Yes, it's like fake food. It's like imaginary food. You go in there and you're just like hit by this waft of really bad smell, and it smells just like a laboratory concoction designed to mimic the smell of food for like i don't know to test on rats or something it's like exactly the chemicals that trigger hunger yes and no other ones but it it's doesn't not smell even. like you're cooking anything it right. doesn't yeah just it's put just onions and butter, butter on a grill hunger. and yeah. i'll come into your restaurant and get a hard on <laughs> to call the police that's, that's, why, <laughs> that's, why, that's why you're that's why you're banned from most restaurants in the world <laughs> ask me to leave yeah yeah, onion, onions like and butter are pretty common McDonald's. ingredients. It's like, you know how they, the restaurants all have like pictures of critics on their wall to like, in the kitchen? T- <laughs> it's a picture of you too. Me. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the guy. The boner guy is back. <laughs> uh, there's a picture of a guy in my laundromat, which is like, this guy steals things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. This guy uh, eats like laundry the, soap. Uh, <laughs> you could do the like the inspection stickers, you know? Asher Lack, 12 boners. <laughs> 12 boners? Asher Lack, 4 boners. Like, that's... What yeah, this no, metric it's, it's, sounds really fucked up. It's man. the New York City Whoa. Department of Health. Yeah. Yeah. A is for Asher, B is for boner, <laughs> C is for came. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's shut down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to the show, everybody. No, not welcome to oh, the show. Oh, God. <laughs> Unwelcome. Welcome. Unwelcome to Please the show. leave. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. So, Are you really a doctor? Yeah, man. Okay. The Honorable Sam Lazarus. Am I really honorable, though? I think we know the answer to that. <laughs> and Raphael <laughs> Rettenberg, ESQ. Are you really know. the magazine Esquire? Are you really a squeaky? <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Sure. Yes. And today yes. We're, <laughs> we're talking Wait, about... you? I said I'm Asher Lack. Yeah, that's oh, I forgot. usually so how I You don't I have stop. any honorific or anything. <clears throat> You're just a guy. No, I got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> guy with. You're a guy know, Fieri. <laughs> guy who at one time owned a used van, Asher Lack. <laughs> um, 
yeah and today we're talking about the rise of skywalker for some reason wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> strap in people who gave a shit about this movie mm. you're wrong yeah oh you can give a shit about this movie but oh boy yeah i was telling asher before i actually lost sleep over this really yeah thinking thinking about coming here today and talking about this <laughs> Because you're afraid of but the you, trolls, or because no? You don't well, wanna... I'm not afraid of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, I answer. this is this is my white whale. So, like, <laughs> I have lost friends over things, and one of the things I've lost friends over, like, is politics. You know, I have lost friends over my. <laughs> we can cut that, but it's true. I I have. Had weird okay. social interactions. Do you mean refu- your views on that too? We're thank cutting you, that. Thank you, Alan Poppy. <laughs> I have had weird social interactions before. I knew how to like shut my mouth, shut my fucking trap. I've had weird social interactions over like the fact that Radiohead is terrible and everyone is like Emperor has no clothes. And everyone thinks they're great for some reason. You're wrong. I don't yeah, know why wrong. this is true. I, I don't know why you guys are like this. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I've had. You know, I've Radio had to, it hasn't been good for a long time, in my opinion. I don't even think OK Agreed. Computer was worth it. We could not talk to Maybe my favorite also. album of all time. <laughs> I don't th- I'm sorry, man. See, oh. that's the thing. That's <laughs> the thing. It's like, friends. <laughs> I know. So I'm, this, is how I, this is how I alienate. This is how I win enemies and alienate people. With magic. With me. So Star Wars is another one. And my experience with Star Wars is that I enjoyed as a kid the first three movies, right? They were really fun to watch as a kid, and I had very fond feelings about them. By first three, you mean the first three the original came out. three, the, the original middle three, three. the middle when, three. He said when he was a kid. Well, yeah, yeah. Again, Sam, why do you keep forsaking your cube knowledge? You keep talking <laughs> about this non-cube time. Yeah, seriously, and it's fucking wrong. <laughs> you know there are four right? simultaneous days. So yeah, why? Sorry, are, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the first three movies that came out in linear time as we you know as, <laughs> as we've been murdered the, the, into knowing the, it the, yeah, the, yeah exactly as the uh sleeping masses experience time not how we experience time right, right, right with our time cube knowledge which is correct and true they're really wonderful movies so what they have then, so then they alan doesn't re- no they I, re-released them i think that's re- not what you usually say about you usually say that those <laughs> movies are terrible <laughs> I do. He's getting there. We're I'm getting, getting there. Like yeah. you're let's let's give Raph some space on this one. I'm, I I want to hear where this is going because I have a lot of theories about this movie vis-a-vis Epstein. That I'm oh about boy. To blow okay. Her fucking minds with. First, I, think, I think maybe just rope. we should do this like a round, like like a uh, like a rondo. Like everyone gets the floor to explain their whole sh- deal with Star Wars. Yeah, because this is also our first time talking about Star Wars on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. And you know, as sort of sci-fi universes in the genre it casts a pretty wide shadow i mean it's this star trek and now dune i think has emerged as the sort of third kind of cornerstone to some degree doctor who but that's for really the more very nerdy types (laughs) the the more the more (laughs) indoor people (laughs) the indoor kids oh wow um it's true though Yeah, they're Those indoor are kids. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, That's but true. I knew you knew that before you showed up today, Sam. Yeah, that we it's were just, terrible. It's just smacking me in the face, you know. So they re-released the original ones and they gussy them up with CGI, right? They, um, you know, they they add all completely this completely change the implication of the whole series by changing the order in which Han fires. That's yes, I'm aware of this controversy, and I want I want to touch on that also. Um, so they basically. Make this make these movies something else entirely, like the sort of like ramshackle. The special effects I think were good for the time, and they look cool. Well, practical effects are always yeah. great. I'm sorry, and this was right. also like nascent CGI. It was like early in CGI. So this is this happened around the time that the Island of Doctor Moreau came out, which we thoroughly ragged on as like even at the time you wouldn't look at this and be like, oh, that looks like good they re-release these movies to capitalize on that nostalgia and they add a bunch of cgi and they make the guy who han solo kills shoot first and all this other stuff and then they come out with the prequel and i saw all those and i think i was like i enjoyed it and i enjoyed watching star wars in theaters and that was part of the experience then they came out with the prequels and i saw the first prequel in theaters and i don't remember who i saw it with but i just remember like this is 
I think you saw it with me. I think I saw it with you. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, th- I didn't see any of the other ones. I was like, this is bad. I was 15. And I wasn't this like world-weary, jaded, cynical, whatever. That Maybe a little bit. You were fairly cynical. Yeah, fairly cynical. <laughs> Raisinette-eating, <laughs> rageaholic. Ra- I do love raisinettes. I know. And rage. So they come out with these prequels, which I only saw one, and it was horrible. I remember that it opened up. It's actually, this this memory was, was triggered um recently of they open up talking about like trade policy or something like the 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 title crawl <laughs> right. at the beginning talks about like trade policy i remember <laughs> that i was like what <laughs> like that's well, like i appreciate news, you know i appreciate that they want to lay some foundation for later things but this is a little kind of like it seems very piddling it seems very immaterial and like yeah over literalized and it's just like it was a bad movie it really sucked yeah. and i'm i think probably the other two sucked too from what i understand they're but less bad they were less bad yeah. uh, okay i mean i mean that attack of the clones is just they're all it's I, hard for it to get worse than that Carolyn wait the first I, one was the phantom menace <clears throat> yeah sorry the phantom second menace. one was the attack That's of the right. clones yeah and even the title i mean like attack of the clones come on yeah so so i just you know i gave up and i haven't interacted with any kind of like Star Wars um, franchise, you know, I, any kind of Star Wars uh, fandom or intellectual property, I haven't really allowed it to, I didn't allow it to be a part of my life because I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave these firmly in the past. This is something that had a lot of charm and a lot of maybe potential. It was a very interesting and intriguing, thoughtful universe that they have just battered and I'm just going to leave it be. I don't want to deal with it. So I haven't seen any of the new ones until a couple weeks ago. Alan and I go to see Rise of Skywalker in theaters. So you hadn't seen the first two in the new trilogy? No, I haven't seen them. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm going into this like, I'm not happy about it. Alan said I want to do the movie and I was like, cool. I want to spend time with a friend. So yeah, it was like pretty, pretty pleasant. Um, I think they must like pump in oxygen or something there. Because I did not hate watching this movie. Like Alan was joking. I was wondering when you were going to get to yeah, that. Alan was joking. He was like, I can't look at you while you're watching this. But I wasn't like, it started off pretty groan inducing. But then like, I actually had an okay time watching this movie, which I was surprised by. I don't know why it was this breakneck pace. It was just itself a third act. So I really had no idea what was going on. I did not know any of who the characters were. I was thoroughly confused by everything that was happening. But I did not have a bad time watching it because it was a Star Wars movie. So I've had a couple interactions that, that I think really do a good job of summing up what I think Star Wars is about. I think better than actually the movie, talking about the movie can. So when I was in college, I was in an English class. And I remember there was a girl in there who was like one of the head people in the what was called the non-human students organization or something. And she, someone called Star Wars science fiction and she got very indignant and started talking at length about how it was not science fiction. What are you guys looking at? It's fantasy. I'm just trying to understand why this club was called the (laughs) non-human. I think we're going to... I don't know. There were LARPers. I don't remember. (laughs) Um, There were elves. They were the people who to me like created this archetype in my head of like that I wasn't aware existed of unpleasant nerd <laughs> and so to me it was like my experience up to that point had been like I like nerds because they are the outsiders and they are they are looked down on so they have greater empathy and understanding for people who are pushed the outside of the social circle but these were unpleasant nerds they were mean comic book guy yeah they were like yeah. mean spirited angry <laughs> selfish and like very haughty and she just like this this girl just like went on at length about how it was a space opera. And no one fucking cares. I don't think that's a distinction without a difference. Um it's like I mean, yes, I it's would a space argue opera. It's not, it's not sci-fi because it's not sci-fi. Like it's not the the point of sci-fi is you take a scientific conceit, like a technology that doesn't exist or something, and then you run from there. What, like space travel and yeah, hyper for instance, jumping and yeah, exactly. lightsabers? Yeah, except that that's not like sci-fi is supposed to be a real world thing with a real technology that could it's it's speculative it could exist right? yeah whereas star wars is like 
we're in a world where there are space magicians and they have laser swords and they can like tell the future and feel each other's feelings across the galaxy. Like there is no scientific underpinning. It just happens to take place in space. So people think of it as sci-fi. It's really fantasy. Okay. I mean, I think that I think that it has I'm not going to say it doesn't have elements of fantasy and space opera and whatever else you want to call it. It has elements of mythology in it too. Yeah. Like it's absolutely. heavily borrow, heavily borrowed from Greek mythology and from Homer. Yeah, it has absolutely has elements of sci-fi. I would call it sci-fi because it strongly stylistically resembles sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to pick a fight with anybody over that distinction. But as you said, it's maybe a distinction without a difference. But definitely, I think in the way that we talk about sci-fi, mm-hmm. Star Wars actually misses a lot of those notes. I don't really think of Star Wars as sci-fi either, but I, I don't even think that's Raph's point. <laughs> it's not my point. But I'm <laughs> yeah, happy to talk about it. It's still a point. There's two other But I feel, like right. you're, I feel like you are exemplifying Raph's Sounds point. Me. Sam is exemplifying well, no, no. Raph's point I'm because Raph was talking about a situation in which there was a class in which they were talking about Star Wars as sci-fi and then someone went off about how it's not sci-fi even though it wasn't relevant to the conversation, which is exactly That's what Sam just right did. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think it's true that it's not sci-fi, but I don't, I, it doesn't the matter. The point was more that this is someone for whom there was a, I could tell there was like a huge level of identification and personal investment with being the type of person for whom sci- it was important to be knowledgeable about science fiction. Yeah. Being a Star Wars fan was important to this person. Rather than like talking about it, thinking about it, sharing it, in any way communicating it it was about herself had nothing to do it's a tribe it's weaponized identity right it is rather than saying my identity is something that i would like to share with you all or my things that i'm enjoying are part of a communal experience let's discuss them and maybe we can all kind of expand our minds it's a unitary vision of my way is this way and you're not doing it my way i agree with that and one We're going to get into that a little bit because I wanted to talk a bit about sort of toxic fandom. And we've touched on this before on the show and the the degree to which toxic fandom plays into or relates to like identity politics, whether they're, you know, wherever they lie on the ideological spectrum. Because I think that there's there's a commonality between all of these aspects of identity politics, whether you're talking about fucking alt-right shitheads, red pill numbskulls you know, uh, Gamergate people, you know, there's like, there's an aspect of this that kind of, there's a thread, I think, that is in Star Wars fan culture. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you, you tag that for deletion. in every co- community. Yeah. yeah, you absolutely do. It's like, like yeah. this, this discussion reminds me of people yelling at Bernie Bros. Like, you can support Bernie Sanders without being a toxic misogynist online to anybody who doesn't like Bernie Sanders. And in fact, there really doesn't have to be that many people who are toxic online to make it look like there's this force of people who are, you know, hateful about this belief in Bernie Sanders. It's the same thing. You see that that subset of a community and then you say like, oh, that's terrifying. Like what's wrong with these people? But it doesn't like the vast majority of people like Star Wars are like you. They just think it's a fun series of movies. Yeah, it could be. A fun oh, series okay. of movies. We haven't finished. So yeah, I no no we're not we're not I I got a little bit more left. Not in even this. close. This is what I lo- lost sleep over, and the it's it's tough because this is really the combination of the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room and my white whale, because I really do feel like Star Wars is a stand-in for so much that is wrong in our culture, but it's also like I want to avoid talking about it at the same time. I'm compelled to talk about it. I'm Ahab, it's the white whale, but I'm also afraid to talk about it because it's a huge fucking gorilla you know that I'd rather ignore ends. because I know, well, this time I would kill the whale. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, re- I'm rewriting that. Uh, so, but it's also, I don't want, I also don't want to talk about this because people are going to get upset be- for the same reason, the tightly knit identification people have with this movie. I mean, I think it's a bit, yeah, I don't disagree with you exactly, but it's a bit like going and reading the rest of the Dune books, right? Like, you read the second one, you're like, oh, cool, this story is continuing, and I'm interested in where it's going. You get to the third book, and you're like, this story just isn't interesting anymore. But you want to keep reading, because you remember how interesting the story was, and you want to see if it goes somewhere that pays off. That's how I feel about Star Wars. So I I don't think you're wrong. I'm just saying there are also people like me who watch the movie thinking, well, I really am interested in knowing where they end this story. And getting there as a as you know part of a ride kind of okay I think it's like a fair, I don't I, consider it part of my identity I think it's a fair but point. I still enjoy it 
all of these movies are essentially the same. They are there's a MacGuffin. They have to destroy a ship somehow. Or and a facility. It, or facility. And at the end, some people turn out to be related to each other that you didn't expect. They're the same, yeah. It's the same story yeah. over... The people don't realize. It be, is beyond all reason to me that people are still involved in this to the degree that they are. And there's a... I know the reason for that. I'm going to posit something. Go for I'm it. I'm going to say Disney made this. Disney made this and designed this so it would press the buttons that get you to say, yeah, I like Star Wars movies. I was there. I was sitting in that chair. I said, oh, yeah, this is fun to watch. I like Star Wars movies. How weird. I wasn't expecting to. I was expecting to be miserable the whole time. Of course, you're no. going to like it because they made it that way. Of course, yeah, you're going to enjoy it. They made it, it yeah. to be something that was instantly palatable. I recognize all these people. You know, uh, Lando Carwizian is smiling and Carrie Fisher, uh, <laughs> Princess Leia is <laughs> He's there. He's like an unpleasant, and, uncanny, yeah, it's like, <laughs> animated nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's like a, yeah, it wasn't it's, animated. What bothers me about this is because I value science fiction's place in our cultural constellation because science fiction is a culture's dream of itself. It tells us something about who we are and it's important because it helps us understand who we are. And many science fiction movies do that. But this is the most, power, this is the most powerful, influential, important science fiction series in terms of its impact of any other. And all it is is a commodified, fan-service, audience-pleasing machine. It is a product. Slash. It's a nostalgia product. Slash so propaganda what is it? Yes. So what does it tell us about ourselves when it is this commodity that is just a nostalgia machine? I think that it's really alienating. It's I think t- it's really fucked up. Okay, can I jump I in? I it's wrong. I agree it's, with that. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I just want to say, so like, you know, we talk a lot about the trends in science fiction and the way that those trends embody the cultural zeitgeist. And I think that there, there's been a fair amount of critical talk about the sort of aughts into teens trend of like the existential alone space movie. And like, I think that that's been the kind of dominant sci-fi genre set piece post cyberpunk. Right, so like if we think about these things in terms of a continuum, you start in the 50s and the early 60s with the Golden Age, and that's about imperialism and colonialism, right? It's like brave astro men flying to other worlds, taking over and making it with hot babes, you know, and then you have the 60s, which is the new wave where you have like Ursula K. Le Guin and Philip K. Dick, and you're turning that inward and you're sort of saying like, okay, what what is a consciousness? What is gender? You know, like... How are all Dune is another good example of these where it's it's about sort of mind expansion and it's about the exploration of the universe through the exploration of the self and the cost of colonialism. Right. And the cost of colonialism. Totally. Right. And then essentially you get into the 80s and 90s and you're in cyberpunk, which is sort of post that. So it's like we're all fucked. We made the wrong decisions. And now everything is. Yeah. We have corporate hegemony that runs everything. And the rest of us are either you know, part of the hegemony in an ivory tower or we're fucking plebes living in like night city. And now I, I don't think, think these lines are as sharp as you're implying. No, they're, they're not right. And so now I think that uh, the, the kind of underscoring thing and yeah, I mean, definitely there are genre sort of switchy or like, um, you know, there are things that call back to earlier ideas. And I think to me now there's, there's a real existential loneliness to the sci-fi yeah. of the time. And I think that this movie is so perfectly like but not manipulative own, but yeah. and, and alienating. Only, that it's like, and it's cri- only, in your, only when you theorize about it, only when you look at it critically do you understand. It's, it doesn't express those themes in and of itself. Okay. Is some kind of robot? <laughs> First of all, hang on. Can we get Alan's opinion on this? Because I feel no! like this is, we've gone 50 minutes of tape. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess I have something I want to say, but I'm not sure how well it fits in. I mean, there's a couple things. So, I mean, my take, you know, and it's related, is people love the original Star Wars movies for completely different reasons than they might like the new one. And I think not a lot of people like think too much about this, but the original Star Wars movies feel kind of like indie movies. Like yeah. they feel really DIY. That's They're cool. very campy. Like the acting is bad. And the stories are very classic, right? They're from mythology. They're the stories are kind of ingrained in us. Also the idea that there was one guy who had this vision that was totally new and that the special effects were so original for their time and still a lot of them look great because they're practical effects. 
Yeah, I think that basically everything that's been made since then is a commercial movie that's made basically capitalizing on nostalgia. You know, I used to listen to like the Judge John Hodgman podcast and I remember he would go off a couple times about nostalgia and why how nostalgia is like this terrible thing because nostalgia is something that tries to get you to relate to a vision of the past that didn't really exist. It's sort of like, oh man, I remember those good times when you know I was watching that. And those good times probably didn't really exist. But you, nostalgia makes you think that they did. So it's just, it's not creatively useful. It's not constructive. Do you think yeah. that there's a, I, I, I want to let you keep going, but do you think there's, it just reminds me of something, do you think there's a flip side to that where it's like you are, the nostalgia when it's like commodified like that is malign in some way? Like it's sort of saying like, don't worry about the future. Like, don't think about the future. And that's like nihilistic. Think about the past. I think there's probably a fine line between mm. that and escapism, though, right? Which would yeah. be a valid form of expression. I haven't really like fully formulated yeah, yeah. anything. I'm no, I mean, today, I think like, certain types of nostalgia are like that, right? Where they're just like, remember the good old days? Like, there was a lot of like fifties nostalgia, like Trump. You know? Yeah, yeah. I yeah mean, that is right. exactly. And fucking Brexit. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's kind of all they are. And sometimes they manage to make a more interesting storyline than others, one that engages you better. Uh, some, some of the new movies do a better job than others. But ultimately, they have nothing really new to say <laughs> about anything. And they're just trying to create an engaging storyline and push your nostalgia buttons. Maybe I shouldn't say storyline. Yeah. yeah, it's like a theme but park ride. To Alan's point about the original trilogy... And I guess to all of our points, because I think that the big thing that we're all saying is this was an original piece of IP born out of an actual need to create something in that George Lucas wanted to direct Flash Gordon and couldn't get the rights. So he made this instead. That's where the original Star Wars movie, just the first A New Hope, came from. But I guess to your point, we talked a little bit about this, and it's been on my mind for a long time, I guess just from my experiences in the music industry, of essentially, basically, it's the system's job to metabolize all organisms outside of the system. That's like the only way that I can sort of think about the corporatization of Star Wars. And the sort of thing that reminds me of the most is have you guys have read The Grand Inquisitor, right? And in, in no. The Brothers Karamazov. Yes. It's like a novella within the book. It's about Jesus comes back to Earth during the Inquisition and the Grand Inquisitor finds him and jails him. And on the night before his execution, the Grand Inquisitor comes to him and says, like, yeah, you did a great thing, you know? You've given these people this amazing hope, but really, what you're promising them now by coming back is not something that you can actually deliver on, and if you could actually deliver on it, we've got a really good system, and I think that what you're delivering on is not actually what the people need. What they need is what I've got now, this system that we have. So it's been nice that you've come back to see the system that we built, but we'll see you later. And, and these movies reminded me so much of that. It's like, you know, somebody out there makes some piece of IP out of need, tells a story because they are compelled it's to tell baby. this story. No, the reason that this final trilogy is made is because it's IP. Right. Well, exactly. So, it, you know, it, again, it's like the inversion of the original impetus to make this thing, right? It, to me, this felt so Grand Inquisitor. That was all I really had to say about it. Yeah, I, I mean, that, just read I, that story. Yeah, just to finish, I forgot that I read that. <laughs> just to <laughs> finish my uh, my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think that in some ways, the new Star Wars movies, a good metaphor for me is when there's like a really cool indie artist that you like. And it seems very similar, like they're creating, they created like a couple albums that are completely from their own vision and they have all these like quirks about them, but they're really cool in the way that they're done. And then they get more popular and then they make a studio album. Maybe, maybe the studio like puts more input into it. Gives them a producer. Um, you know. Talking about Arcade Fire? <laughs> <laughs> talking about They like, only uh, made one. So cool. Who am I talking about? Maybe Twin Shadow. Oh, right. so cool. Arcade Fire only had one album, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> they broke up after that. But I mean, and I feel bad. I'm like friends with all them on social media. It's like I'm going to post some shit hating on them. Do that. Sure, they're checking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, and then and then once they do that, it's it's sometimes it's just terrible, and it's like it's it's just that the things that people really liked about it originally all get removed, and it's not necessarily sometimes it's this 
maybe because the studio pushes them and sometimes that their intuitions are wrong. Like once they actually have a lot of money and have a lot of ability to make something, like their intuitions are wrong about what what people really liked about what they did and what yeah. made what they really did cool. Yeah. You know, you guys, I think that that's part of of maybe not so much with with the latest trilogy, but with like the the middle ones. The middle ones. Well, also, you know, I, I had this experience. Carolyn and I went to see Radiohead, which is a band that I love. Carolyn doesn't particularly <laughs> care for, but she indulged me. Us. You're yeah, wrong. I know, I know, I am, and and it's funny because like again, when okay. I worked in the music industry, they were sort of held up as the example of like the band that sells out, probably the only band that sells out arenas and is con- like in control of every aspect of their creative process. Now, I think there's a lot of other bands that kind of, or musicians or whoever that have taken that agency, but I think that they were held up as like the gold standard of, you know, this band's, you know, fan base is all cool tastemaker people who know what's up and like every decision that they make is creatively valid. Obviously, post- Everything you just said makes me want to vomit. Yeah, and post In Rainbows, <laughs> that's completely not true. But regardless, when I was sitting in the audience, I realized I was like, okay, I'm in a room with, you know, 10,000 other people, probably no more than like 1,100 of them are actually those cool tastemakers because in order to sell that many tickets, you kind of have to be loved by idiots. It's not, there aren't enough cool tastemakers in the world to fucking sell out a stadium. It does surprise me actually like how many people like Radiohead and go to there. Yeah, their concerts. I think I don't know. I think it's, Radiohead's it's, a pretty weird band. It yeah. Seems like it supports Raf's argument. Well, I, I think which argument? Like lots of people go, so they must suck. The emperor has no <laughs> clothes. Yeah, but I think that that's true of all things that are hugely popular, right? Like, like Star if, Wars. Yeah, like if everybody likes it, it kind of has to be middle of the road in some way. Like occasionally something very truly and legitimately subversive slips through, but like for the most part. I mean, like, I don't think well, the Matrix is like that. This has to Although do, the sequels guys, maybe were. Have you guys, have we talked about Pierre Bourdieu's distinction? So we Pierre haven't Bourdieu's talked about distinct- it on the, po- okay. on the podcast. We've talked about so, it outside I don't know. of the I show. I think this, like, it's an, it has an interesting idea. The cultural artifacts that you like and you engage with are determined by your ideas of where you're situated in society. So it's right. very class-oriented. So... I think this that is all really half baked. I'm sorry. No, it's just like I. I don't know. I'll have some chips, okay? Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Actually, wait. No, eat them off mic because we're on the same channel. Eat them on mic because I like what? the way it sounds. What? 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 Now? what? Yeah, we should just do an ASMR podcast <laughs> of just just rap chips. eating chips. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners are horny enough. <laughs> So have we plot gotten breakdown. out? Have we gotten out all of our opinions? <laughs> I don't think we should do a plot break. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it makes sense here. <sighs> I don't. I, I don't think. Could. I don't think it's a question to make sense. I think it's it's uncouth. Like people might listen to this because it might be interesting, and this is actually the first movie we've done where spoilers might be a thing. Yeah, that's true. That's a okay. good point. So, like, to not do a plot breakdown, I do want to say that there were, on top, you know, independent of this movie as a sort of monolith signifier for like our. <laughs> cultural decadent nightmare that we live in there was some stuff in here that like i thought i guess alan raff you guys didn't see the last jedi but ryan johnson who's done some pretty original and cool sci-fi stuff and non-sci-fi stuff added some things to the star wars canon that this movie then basically retcons and like erases yeah what does retcon I, mean retroactive Retro- continuity but i don't think that what? you can really put that on jj abrams no i don't think it's, it's j- disney this whole process is about disney i think people bagging on jj abrams over this movie are, are kind of unfair to me i mean likely there's still like, i bag on jj abrams but just not just because of this movie no because fucking lost was garbage and anyone who thinks and it's good is a fucking brain dead moron like, I, I, tweet I, I, I now think it sucked. I'm sorry. I watched the first episode of Lost and I was like... Everyone knows you predicted it was going to be bad. Yeah. Wait, yeah. predicted? How do you predict that it's going to be bad? From the first episode. I watched the first episode and I was like, nobody who's writing this show knows what's going on. They're just sewing cool stuff that doesn't fit together. None of it makes any sense. And then like seven years later, I saw a bunch of people posting on the internet like, what the fuck, Lost? What is the island? What does this code mean? What is all this shit? And I was like, oh, you guys didn't know? Yo, my bad. <laughs> I just I like being it. told that I'm right. <laughs> Yo, Lost sucked. Westworld sucks. J.J. Abrams, you suck. <laughs> my dad's going to send this to him. <laughs> my dad's going to be like, my they son has about some you. hot takes. 
it's very relevant. You're never going to work in this town again. Yeah, because I'm getting so much work as it is. I did um, like his Star Trek movie. Actually. Yeah, I thought that did his you? Star Trek movies yeah. were pretty dope. Too. A lot of people really hated them. Mm. What is the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars? <laughs> the spelling. Oh, okay. <laughs> and meaning. Oh, nope, <laughs> okay. That's the same. The difference is that Star Wars is about the rebellion and Star Trek is about the Empire. The Empire. Nice. <laughs> Which is why I feel like I'm always on the fash side. Because like, I look at the Empire and I'm just like, I mean, yeah, they're killing people. They're doing like fucking horrible shit. But hey, guys, but, like, what order. is the Empire actually Peace. doing that's bad? So we're not going to do a plot breakdown. Well, we could do if you want to do one. We could we could say like, hey, you know, there's okay, spoilers. There now, are spoilers now. I mean, I just I thought that in terms of just a piece of cinema, alert. spoilers ahead. Like, again, I, I just feel like it's all redundant. It's like you know the cutting of the first yeah. twenty minutes of this movie. The music in the first forty-five minutes of this movie was so why it, oppressive why it, why and manipulative. Like this, like I, the pacing of it was because it was much. it was ten pounds of doo doo in a five-pound bag. <laughs> you know, it was just like they were like, we got a lot of plot to get done. We got we got to get this on film. <laughs> that's why I'm because they had to the plot of the previous movie. Yeah, because they had to they had to undo the previous movie. Because basically, the previous movie, the big reveal is that you're your genes don't mean anything which is kind of cool and like out of the norm for you know yeah for the which for is the why hero's journey didn't see the other movie wait can you explain that cuz i didn't watch the kind of tried to undermine mostly failed but tried to undermine the trope that star wars is constantly pushing which is that like there's this bloodline of saviors yeah and the, the idea of the chosen one yeah. who's of a chosen place and just d- nobody realizes how they're chosen or you know, but but more importantly, like the point is that there's a unitary, like linchpin hero, right? The one individual that will is fated to and is the only one who can save the day, right? And mm-hmm. then in Star Wars, you get maybe a bit of a shift on that trope because there's two of them potentially, but like they're twin, they're twins. It's like the whole point of the story is there's a hero, and we need that hero. Right. So then the last movie kind of tries to invert that by saying, like, it really takes all of us together. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of characters in the movie who take, you know, the role of savior. I'm putting that in air quotes. It's like split the 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 responsibility split among several characters in the previous movie. Mm -hmm. But but at the end, it's it's all wrapped up neatly by Luke. So, like, the whole thing is undermined. Yeah, it's like. So Rian Johnson had this idea we could subvert Star Wars and use it to say, like, we all have a chance to do something meaningful and we shouldn't depend on the savior. The lone savior. The lone yeah. savior. Which it was is a like movie Luke's about solidarity. Luke's character in, in the last movie is he failed. He failed to be the, the savior that the force needed. He just totally dropped the ball, and now the universe or the galaxy is in disarray because he was overconfident. So that's like a send up of this trope. I think you should actually watch that one. You might oh, find it more interesting. Oh, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. But, but, but actually, at the end of the movie, it turns out no, really, all we needed was Luke. So the whole thing goes up in smoke. <laughs> at the end of the last movie? Yeah. And then in this movie, it's like, oh, forget about that. Like, are we doing spoilers? Yeah, so the spoiler is in the, in the previous Wait, movie, there's an incredible. Why do we need Luke? Luke saves the day at the end of the previous movie. Yeah, in the end of Last Jedi, Luke saves the day. He battles oh. Kylo Ren and and basically gives them die? time to escape. He does die. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. He dies I, in much the same way that uh, Kenobi, Ben Kenobi dies. Yeah. What, he puts his lightsaber down? Basically. <laughs> that's a good image. That's he a good image. The bomb. As you said, there's a lot of callbacks in these series, and I actually kind of like that because you, you get to see a different perspective. Callbacks are not the problem. No, but I'm just oh, saying yeah. that's one of the things you're talking about is this repetition of the same plot lines kind of and the and the shift because you can look at it in two ways. One is like it's easy to sell the story if the story's the same every time. Everybody gets it. Right? Callbacks and repetitiveness are not the same thing. Right. Yeah. And I'm saying there's like a gray area here where a lot of these movies do repeat the same plot points, but maybe they're slightly inverted or they're from a different perspective, you know, and so it, it sort of makes you ask these questions about what were the but but all of yeah. that shit is totally unde- totally underdeveloped in my opinion. So it's right. sort of silly to talk about. But I also I think know. like the repetition also makes you feel like things are faded or something. They are trying fated? to do s- fate fated. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like a cycle, a repeating cycle. I think that's on purpose. Yeah, yeah. but I don't but think that it accomplishes anything. Exciting. Not The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. That's true. About. Yes, The Last Jedi. Sorry. Well, I mean, so it doesn't really accomplish I guess anything. there's also a pretty climactic moment in The Last Jedi where Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver, which I, you, we haven't really talked it with any specificity about any of the acting or visual effects. And I will say that like Adam Driver is the reason that this movie is good in, in a lot of cases. Totally like, true. Yeah. He is... I, He's you definitely know, the best actor well, by and, like a, a million Right. And the fight scenes between him and Ray, I thought, were probably some of the best. I mean, all the technical stuff in these movies is just great. Like, the effects are great. The choreography is great. The, yeah. the cinematography is great. Like, I mean, the space battles are a little boring. Sometimes they're, they're not really cluttered. fully willing to give up the, like, sort of, like, Orientalist thing that they... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, like, pretty... Okay fucked up race stuff in this movie i mean and that was another thing about the rise of skywalker I mean, after so jar jar binks i would have thought that they would probably would have like dude, wised up and jar jar, jar, binks, jar jar binks the point is that there's a beautiful scene where kylo ren and ray are battling and they're on this spaceship that's basically like collapsing around them in the second movie and and he that happened in the third movie yeah yes yeah exactly my eyes yeah meet, meet the old like boss same as the new boss it's not how that that's quote what goes I was it's a really simple point here. That's kind of what I was saying. And yeah, earlier, you guys yeah and basically, Ray doesn't know who her parents are, and Adam Driver is like, you know who your parents are. Search your feelings. They're no one from nowhere. And oh, it's a, shit. And it's a really powerful moment. And it meshes well with the overall theme that we were talking about that uh, Rian Johnson tried to do of like, it only takes a normal person. And there are all these moments in that movie where like, just a random character who doesn't even have a name is like force sensitive. So the point of that movie was like, oh, we all are part of the force. It's not just the Jedi's. It's not just the special individuals. And Luke says that too. And Luke says it. He it's says like no one explicit. owns the yeah. force. And so they yeah. to, to re- retcon, to yeah. revise that, they bring back Emperor Palpatine, who was definitely dead. It's sort of just like <laughs> and it makes the the it, first yeah, is like, this movie is basically pointless. this movie is basically like the stop hitting yourself of movies. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you're totally. They don't right. explain it. No, how did he survive? Well, Wait, they okay. Sort of explain. No, they don't explain. Yeah. Fuck all. First of all, <laughs> where did those star destroy? Okay, this is a planet that no they one can them. find. Yeah, how? How did anyone get there? Magic. No, no, no. How did anyone... How did the the clones get there? How did they get there? The force? This is bullshit. I'm I'm sorry. That was like... The whole first three quarters of this movie are like, he's on a planet. No one can find. There's only two ways to find it. He can find it. And then they get go, there. I feel like they just go through it really fast so that you're not like spending time like, wait a second. This is yeah, making spin- sense. Head is spinning. <laughs> yeah, there's like a stadium full of people on this planet. And I'm like, so are those all hallucinations? Did we all take Speed. DMT on the way out here? No, they're Who, born for- and they die on that, on that planet. But then who's manning those giants? But... but uh, Force I hate ghosts, this. All that, of the ancient Sith. Yeah, then who's manning those spaceships? Force ghosts, all of the ancient and Sith. And then every single one of those spaceships has like a star destroying like a planet murder laser gun. About like the John Boyega. I can't remember anybody's name in this. They're all single syllables. Finn. Finn. They never talk about where he's from, which was something that was sort of teased in the earlier movies. Yeah, and they and they have all this stuff about like the redemption of Stormtroopers, but then they just kill a whole mess of them at the end anyway. So, yeah. So it's kind of weird. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, this movie was really it's a mess. incoherent. It's a yeah, mess. I think that that was the bigger crime. I mean, other no, than no, society falling around our ears, I feel like Star Sorry. Wars is lose slowly losing rules. Like the U- Star Wars universe is slowly losing rules. It's, I think actually the opposite is happening. Like Disney has centralized the process of setting the rules for the universe and they're doing it in such a way like with an eye to future capitalization as opposed to with an eye towards like an interesting and rich world. Or yeah, coherence so within the system. If they have to rewrite the rules, they will. Right. Sorry, but if the rules are rules. inconsistent, then they're not rules anymore. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Says you the might, physicist. You might be right, but it's like there's there are a lot of rabid fans, as Raph has mentioned, mm-hmm. of, of this series. And they literally have like a department at Disney who is responsible for maintaining continuity between these movies. Fan control. Yeah. 
So I <laughs> think they are actually I suggest really microdosing psychedelics. In fact, I, I would argue more help. attentive. Like, because the extended universe of novels and the way that, because it used to be that literally anything that George Lucas said was canon. So he would do an interview and they'd ask him like, what's Yoda's favorite ice cream? And he'd be like, sardine. And now that's canon. <laughs> and for a while he was like trolling Is that fans. True? Yes, it's true. For a while he was trolling fans by like saying crazy shit. I'm like, oh, now that's canon. Mm-hmm. At some point, they basically took all of the stuff that wasn't the movies and the Clone Wars TV show, not the Cartoon Network ones. Or is Rebels after that? Oh, Rebels. Rebels after that. Rebels is after that, I think. And they were like, okay, all that stuff and all the video games and all the novelizations are non-canon. My point about the rules was just like, I don't like that it doesn't seem like anybody can die in the Star Wars universe anymore. And then just come back. Anybody well, can come back. There's force ghosts. I mean, in this movie, yeah, Luke, the force ghost can actually do stuff yeah. in the in the physical world. Yes. I okay. actually want to know about the history of force ghosts. So at the end of the new, <laughs> at the end of A New Hope. Wait, in canon or in, in canon. the world? In okay. canon. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think that Obi-Wan's force ghost first shows up in Empire Strikes Back. Okay. When, but when visually, did, okay. Yeah. But in this movie, Luke's force ghost can do stuff in the physical world. Yeah, no, but you're right, Alan. Like, and a lot of fans, that's their main complaint, particularly about this movie, but also the the previous one. That there's oh. just so much new shit that the Force is capable of now. Another thing that I that made me distance myself from this was like a lot of the toxicity around the discourse of this, which I am peripherally aware of because I see the memes. And um, yeah, a lot of right wingers are upset. I guess that there are women in Star Wars, which is now. fucking insane. <laughs> which is no, really weird. No, they're upset. Yeah. That's not what they're upset Well, yeah, they're upset that there are women in this, for sure. was constructed to, in order to include women. It's insane. for no other reason. I mean, the reactionary shit. uh, I'm, like, befuddled by this because the plot was constructed to sell a lot of fucking tickets. Yeah, well. And so they want the tickets to sell. So they think that there's a purer form of, like, some, there's some, like, hypothetical purer form of star wars that doesn't include women yeah where yeah, so they're that's ridiculous <laughs> in they a space think, kitchen they raft. also think that that <laughs> hollywood is specifically hollywood that Putting is literally everyone that lives in hollywood and works in the industry is more interested in promoting the interests again Quote. In air quotes of minority groups than in making good films and or good profit. films they yeah. also attribute it to yeah. You know, obviously, like the Jewish cabal. That's right, really? that's, right. that's everybody right. that owns Hollywood is Jewish. Yeah, that's the last station on that particular train ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it possible? <laughs> any right wing chuds who listen to this, I can't even imagine. <laughs> um, uh, any right wing chuds who listen to this, is it possible that the villains are the people who are making Garbaggio movies with like no sense of like authorship or no interest in making a, a story? Is that the problem rather than like, you know, what are generally considered good things about like inclusivity? Like is is inclusivity itself an evil? Well, yeah, if you're a racist. Hang on. I'll go one further on you. I'll go one further on you, Raph, which is like, is it possible that the villains are you for not taking the time to actually be curious about the people around you and ask questions? Like I would argue that the four of us, we've all had you know, girlfriends a fair amount, you know, in our lives. And I'm married. Yeah. You're married. I'm engaged. Sam's married. Am I? Alan's married to the sea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to offer some advice to our incel listeners of like, go see, <laughs> go see little women. It's no, a great movie. Here's, here's advice. Meet human beings. Yeah. Hang out with them in real life. No, and ask questions. Yeah, and be, and be cool. Be nice. And if someone doesn't like you, that's okay. There's someone out there that might. I think that if you were of the mind to have this attitude, I first of all, I think this is going to have to get cut. But yeah, probably. I think if you were of the mind to... Ha- not, not necessarily this whole thing, but what I'm about to say. If you were of the mind to have this attitude, and then you saw the scene at the end where the like lesbian two, the lesbian kiss, you, I, I... Even I don't think that that was... I think that... That's a purposeful political statement. It totally it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think it was political, though. I think it was cynical on the part of Disney. Yes. Yeah. It's well, for both. profit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's right. the fucked up thing is that like, 
it was it's not totally incorrect. They are pandering. That's the scary part about this the the right wing garbage and similar to Gamergate. It's like they take these little facts that or observations about reality that like you know have sort of adjacent rational explanations to the ones that they come up with. So it's like not that far off from a reasonable perspective, but they follow insane logic to get to an insane conclusion through a space which has like they've plucked some mm-hmm. actual facts out of. And there was actually debate over that kiss, right? And there was supposed to be like people were talking about, oh, maybe Finn is gay, right? Which with, he with should have been, po. yeah. They, well, because both the actors, Oscar Isaac and uh, Boyega, said that they played the two characters as a gay couple in uh, The Last right. Jedi. So, you know, which was there's great. some calculation somebody did mm-hmm. and they decided, no, that's not going to work in the plot or we don't want to push it that far or whatever. They're, these calculations, I believe, are happening. And cynical as hell. And cynical as hell. It's just like mm-hmm. this crazed idea that, that that's a, like, a danger to our society that someone might put in a lesbian kiss. Like, that's the scary part, right? They say that the scary part is that there are film executives who are like, we're going to put in a lesbian kiss to like brainwash you into thinking that that's okay. But guess what, asshole? It is okay. So like <laughs> they did that because it's okay and they have customers who, who want to see that. This very intimate sense of who you are tied in with this storytelling is manipulated and commodified by somebody. That's the problem. The problem is not that like there's this very cynical kiss between two minor characters who happen to be women. It's just like, I don't man, I don't know, man. The right wing like fandom community, some of the dumbest motherfuckers out there. I will say that. Yeah, they are. Really, there's there really seems stupid. to be like yeah, a general attitude among those people that it's like there is some like you were saying, pure version of these movies that people want to make like pure nostalgia like something that is the fentanyl you know it's like the most synthesized lethal form of nostalgia that that's what they want and that this is not hidden in in their veins the same way you know what i mean jeffrey epstein yeah i know we didn't even talk about (laughs) jeffrey epstein that's your go no i basically go 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 i don't even i lost it i mean i really what i wanted to talk about was just the idea of like hegemony and like the the way in which the system basically metabolizes all outliers that are not part of the system right so like if you have any kind of i you know what listen i had a lot of red thread i was very caffeinated and i've lost my train of thought which probably means that what i was thinking about made no sense there's a lot of red thread a phrase that i don't know like red string on your bulletin board when you're connecting dots between like the Mossad and like the cia and fucking you don't need red thread for that (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One straight line. <laughs> Should we throw it to endorsements? Yeah. Hell yeah. Sure. Sam, what do you got? So this awesome hat that you guys were complimenting before. It's a great hat. Without it's me having brought it up. It matches the jacket I was wearing earlier today. Kind of got a newsy vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks um, like an old Ralph Lauren. It's beautiful. Handmade. Oh. Nice. And I uh, got it at the Union Square Holiday Market, which is probably closed by now. Yep. And the company, or I guess guy, calls this business charm nyc i'm pretty sure they have a website you can probably find them but cool this hat is awesome and cheaper than comparable hats of similar quality that you can buy in various stores which will go unnamed all right so my thank you sam yeah Raph. my recommendation is a song that actually this is a little weird came up in like an algorithmic discover new music playlist on my spotify huh. which i don't know i want to this is so weird it makes me a little bit afraid of the AI that's behind this because this is an incredible song recommendation. The song is it's confirmation bias. Right. The song is Check in My Colonies by the artist Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Now, Kid Creole and the Coconuts, I was familiar with through watching VH1 in the 90s. It's this incredibly peculiar band with like this the, the head guy, he's like a Latin Cab Calloway. And it's totally tongue-in-cheek, and it's totally jokey. It's like sort of... It's not Weird Al Yankovic exactly, but it is definitely like jokey, silly music. And so I was aware of them for that reason. But then this song is like fucking incredible and not something you would ever imagine this band doing if you were aware of their earlier work in any way. So this group took an incredible hard left turn and made this really wild, cool-sounding, futuristic song. 
And I don't know how this turned up in my recommendations because this is not the type of band that would make this song in it at all. So very cool. Overlap. Very cool. But I, I've never listened Alan. to them on Spotify Alan House, because they're super cheesy. And their, their videos are hilarious. But Check In My Colonies by Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Can't believe that they came out with this. Well, the way these recommendations usually work is just uh, is something called collaborative filtering. Filtering, which is just basically like the Amazon thing. People who buy this usually buy this. It's like people who like the music that you like also listen to that song. That's maybe I don't know. Do you think that could be why this song in particular? Totally. Mm-hmm. That it. it I mean, ju- think about how many people listen to Spotify, right? It seems unlikely. That like Kid Creole on the it, I feel like this is something that would have fallen through the tracks because it is so stylistically different from everything they've Here's ever done. Here's something for you to think about. But uh, it's a Venn diagram, right? How many? Wait, hold on a sec. How many songs has Spotify recommended to you that you didn't like? It's actually pretty good. It's fairly good. Actually, pretty good. Okay. Like I like I would say about half the stuff they recommend. I'm like, this is a pretty good song. I've only started listening to their. I guess my point, the point I'm trying to make is Discover, that uh, the the recommendation algorithm doesn't have to be particularly good to occasionally find a song you really like. Like they could just be recommending random music, and once in a while it would be a song you like. No, I don't think random music would. I don't do think 50%. they're doing that. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, obviously that's not the case. I'm scared. Okay. <laughs> I you should be. I think what I theory is that there is a guy they whose broke. job it is. And his name is Joe uh, Spotify. Alan, what do you got? I, I don't sink. think I've endorsed. I don't think I've endorsed this yet. Uh, Terrace House. Um, yeah. Oh, these like a dumpling things place? you what is can. <laughs> it's not a dumpling place. It's a Japanese reality TV show. <laughs> it's like the real world in Japan. Um, more like Big Brother. Right? Uh, maybe it's more like Big Brother. Yeah, maybe it's more like Big Brother. But and there's a lot of dating, so it's like pretty sedate. People don't really have heated arguments. They argue, but they don't really have like heated arguments. It's sort of the anti-reality TV show. It's different from like any reality along. TV show that I've seen. It's in very the US. soothing. They're all friends. Hmm? They, at the end, they're all friends, and one of them has a hard time. They all comfort her. Well, him. mostly, but sometimes, sometimes there's sometimes not there's beef. Yeah, sometimes so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, I I would recommend in particular the. Karuzawa season, which is the second, the not the current season, but the one before that. Um, yeah, there's like very long courtship rituals, <laughs> like people take months to actually like get into relationships. It's it's very interesting. These people do not fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's what it seems like. <laughs> I heard about a Japanese reality TV show over the holidays. Actually, Sophie heard about it and then told me where the premise is. They put you in a in a house. And they're filming you, and you have to go around, and by only by biting, <laughs> you have to find the chocolate object in the room. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to pick anything up or touch. You just have to go around biting objects uh, in the room until you it. find the chocolate <laughs> one. I want to watch it. And I want to do it. It's disgusting. So no, it's awesome. It's only disgusting if you're second. Asher, you wouldn't be <laughs> so aroused by all this. <laughs> I and like, it's like, it's like Ina Garten holding a chocolate. <laughs> She's like holding like a chocolate bar between her. Bo- Ooh, <laughs> Asher. The first uh, thing Asher would do is goodness. bite the hostess. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, Terrace House, uh, very, very soothing. If you like the British Bake Off, uh, you might like Terrace doesn't? House. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and you get into the character arcs and stuff. It's a good show. <laughs> What's your recommendation, Asher? Oh, yeah. I got I got a recommendation that actually came from Raph that is... That's cheating. I can't believe that I've gone this much of my life without knowing about this guy. His, I haven't oh, read yeah, any of his yeah, books yeah. yet, but the covers of them, I haven't laughed this hard in a really, really long time. Uh, Chuck Tingle is his name. God bless. We peace, all peace be upon him. For the yeah. first time. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how you guys <laughs> this weekend. Just you know, just do yourself a favor and Google like Chuck Tingle novels. They are they're three bucks a pop. <laughs> they're three dollars well, yeah, a pop on I'm Amazon. I'm actually considering buying a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he's got like a pretty deep he has hundreds following. Yeah. Bigfoot Somalia, <laughs> butt tasting, <laughs> heavy metal unicorn lawyer sings into my butt <laughs> legally. <laughs> 
Legally. <laughs> and the covers of them are usually a combination of like a shirtless man, like a very ripped unicorn or dinosaur, <laughs> and then a title. Or so, just my an favorite anthropomorphic Brexit. Yeah. Anthropomorphic yeah. object or concept. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> do yourself a favor and just go look up Chuck Tingle. He's great. And uh yeah, come on the show, Chuck. You're really funny. We love you. All right. On the show. Yeah. Wait, the um one? thanks so much for oh, tuning yeah. in, guys. No, the best one. I just have to read this because it gives me such joy. Pounded by the pound, turned gay by the socioeconomic implications of Britain leaving the European Union. <laughs> And there's an anthropomorphic story. <laughs> pound. There's a pound with a face on it. On yeah, the on the cover. Um, yeah, so thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Asher Lack. As am I. Me too. I'm Asher Lack. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Robot House Pod, and it's spelled H-A-U-S. Sam is at Case of Piles. Alan is at Highly Affiligent, and Raph is at Spectral Taint. Until next time, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.